Dr. Fauci, it's great to have you back on the show today. I just want to thank you for that first and foremost. A lot of... Oh. Yeah, happy to be here. Okay, great, great, great. Now, a lot of Americans are concerned about the Omicron variant, particularly Americans that are currently overseas. Now, you're saying there's the possibility that these Americans coming back into the States are going to have to be tested for this coming in? Yeah, basically, if you're coming back into the States and you're coming in here, you got to be tested. So we know if you got the... A micron variant or, you know, whatever else you got, you got to be tested. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. And, you know, this is not a, a concern from me necessarily as I work at CNN. I don't know why I would truly ask you this, but there are there are mutters here of uh, illegal immigrants coming across the, the southern border of the United States. Are they going to have to be tested? Uh could you repeat the question? Sure. Are illegal immigrants coming across our southern border going to have to be tested before they enter the states? Well, first of all, no one's really illegal. I mean, how do you even define that? It's undocumented migrants. Okay. Are the Secondly, undocumented migrants going to have to be tested, Dr. Fauci? Well, you know, that's a different type of conversation. I don't want to, I don't want to say, you know, that they, you know, they don't know what can you explain doing. how it's different dr fauci well you know when you're coming across the river okay great <laughs> thank you for being on our show tonight really appreciate it dr fauci are you no i'm positive? not sick i know i'm fine because i i crossed the border illegally and so i know i'm fine <laughs> and scene <laughs> Guys, welcome to Will and Amal Alive. That skit, that cold open wasn't even a cold open. Those actual real words from Dr. Anthony Fauci uh, when asked about Americans coming back into the States and getting tested for this new Omicron variant. He said, absolutely. We should look into regulations around that. When asked about illegal immigrants coming into our country, uh, he did not have much to say. Apparently, that was something that he cannot comment on. So not a skit today, just a real life situation. How tragic is that? The skits end up happening in the real world. It's like the Babylon D articles that end up becoming like real articles like months later. You think it's satire and then it's like, no, this is actually real. Yeah, unfortunately, much of what we do on this show is not for uh, comedic relief. It is actually real, although we think it's for comedic relief. Guys, it is the first day of December. That's pretty cool. Are we all celebrating Christmas now? Are you guys putting up your Christmas lights and your trees and decorating your house? I hope so. I've done so for my apartment, but I want to let you guys know about something that PragerU is doing, particularly our student young professional group Prager Force. We are doing a 12 days of Christmas giveaway that you can join by going to Prager Force on Instagram. That is P-R-A-G-E-R-F-O-R-S-O-C-E. Sorry. <laughs> F-O-R-S-E. Uh, and following them on Instagram and you can join this giveaway. The winner gets what, William? The winner gets to come on our show. Whoop, whoop. How cool is that? What an honor. You know, <laughs> it'll be the Will, Amala, and Prager Force show, which will be very cool. Yes. So, yeah, if you guys go and follow Prager Force, sign up for this little giveaway, you could be on Will and Amala live. You get to talk to Will and I, do a little interview, talk about your place in the movement and, and whatever is important to you. Uh, so, guys, go to Prager Force on Instagram and follow them and sign up for the giveaway here. Now, let's get into the stories for today. Uh, I want to go ahead and start with something that is a little heart-wrenching, but we've all been talking about it today. It's all over Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, every, it's all over the news. It's everywhere. People are talking about this. And this is a shooting that occurred at Oxford High School 
in Michigan, in the Oakland area of Michigan. Now, I got introduced to this story because I went on Twitter and I saw hashtag gun control now trending. I'm sure if you guys have been on social media, you've been hearing a lot of whispers and screams about gun control in regard to this case. But what I wanted to get into was truly the facts around this matter and what happened here because it's hard to stay informed with everything going on all these stories being shot at you there's a lot of uh talk about the Ghislaine Maxwell trial there's talk about Roe v Wade which you are going to get into as well there's so many things to keep up with and this happens to be one of them so What's happened in this situation is a 15-year-old boy who's now been identified by the name Ethan Crumley has gone into this school yesterday in the afternoon and started shooting people uh, with what now has been identified as a 9mm Sig Sauer P2022, which is a semi-automatic handgun. It is now speculated, or at least allegedly, that the father had bought this handgun on Black Friday only a few days prior, and the son took advantage of this. This 15-year-old boy uh, took the gun into school and started shooting his school, uh, shooting up his school. So now four people are are dead in this case, seven uh, still injured, but uh, four remain in the hospital now with uh, ranging mild to severe injuries here. Now, a lot of people are calling for gun control in this situation, which I wonder what that looks like for those of you who are unfamiliar uh, a sig sour this particular uh, sig sour is a 15 round magazine so i could see maybe people calling for lower magazine counts maybe like how we have in california in california you can't buy a gun that has a magazine over 10 rounds so i, I think maybe that's up the bend and the prosecutor in this case uh, is going to be charging ethan crumley this this 15 year old uh, boy as an adult uh with four Four charges now of premeditated, obviously, first degree murder and one charge of terrorism, among several other charges. He's racked up a bunch of charges in this attack. The prosecutor has also stated that she's going to go after his parents or at least is considering it. Yes. And I think that they should actually go after the parents. Mm -hmm. I think that's actually a good idea. If you leave in it, I'm saying go after the parents if the gun was left out and was not locked up away from minors. There is a horrible story of of a school that my sister teaches at back Mm. in Colorado. And this little kid got a hold of the gun and shot itself in the face. Mm -hmm. Killed the kid because the kid got the gun that wasn't locked up by the parents. And the parents get tried for that. If you are an adult and you leave your firearm out or any sort of, you know, weapon, anything like that, and your kid gets a hold of it and does something, you are responsible. You are partially responsible. Obviously, you can't control everything that the 15-year-old did then with the firearm and went and shot people at his school, but you were not a responsible parent to take care of that firearm and make sure that it was away from this kid. And then being a minor and you supposed to, supposedly supposed to have responsibility over them yeah. makes it so that, yes... This is, in fact, the parents' fault. I mean, one of the things, I'm a big believer in the Second Amendment and and so many of the regulations and things and and restrictions, especially here in California, I mean, are diabolical and horrible. But gun safety is incredibly important. And if you just go out and start buying a bunch of guns and you don't know how to use them and you don't even know, like if you're one of these congressmen who can't even tell you the difference between a semi-automatic rifle and an automatic rifle or an assault weapon and weapons of war, all these different kinds of things. If you don't know actually how to use your gun, store your gun, safely handle a gun, you have no business to have it. Right. I mean, I'm not going to. 
jumped to speculation yet on what happened here and what the parents did. Uh, but there there's definitely something that needs to be looked in here. He's 15 years old. So who knows if they had this gun locked away or not? He's 15. I'm sure he's totally capable of undoing whatever lock they put or whatever case they put this gun in if they did. So who knows at this point? But the other evidence has come out. They said there's no evidence of him being bullied at school or anything like that. But actually, the day prior to the shooting, so Monday of this week, uh, there was concerns, I guess, brought to the administrators of this school about his behavior. And the morning of the shooting, Tuesday morning, the administrators met with his parents to talk to them about it at the school. And then the parents apparently left. He went back to school and hours later shot up his school. So it's really interesting. I mean, we're going to keep our, our eyes out and see what happens with this case. They have not come out with any sort of motive yet because when they uh, there's a law in Michigan that obviously you cannot go and question minors without parental consent. And the, par the parents in this case asked for a lawyer. So it's going to be interesting to see what exactly happened here. Was was there something that slipped through the cracks here? Because the school was obviously aware of some concerning behavior. What that concerning behavior was, who knows? The prosecutor has come out and said this is 100% premeditated. She found evidence in his search history and in his social media that there was, you know, whispers of this happening. And Taylor, you mentioned something about a student saying, you know, I didn't go to school this day because. <clears throat> yeah, on one of the news reports I saw, there was a student that, that was talking to the media and saying I had heard something like this might happen, so I stayed home. Yeah. So uh, I can't, I don't have that link anymore, but um, it was one of the things I saw yesterday in the coverage. Yeah, that's really, it's interesting. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what the calls for gun control are because a lot of officials have called for gun control. The prosecutor in this case says we need to look into our gun control laws here in Michigan. I'm anticipating something about uh, lower round magazines and the possibility of more laws prosecuting parents. Yeah, well, the left only calls for gun control when it suits their, their interest when they can use a political tragedy to advance what they actually want to do. When you look at what's happening in cities all across the country, Baltimore, Chicago, um, what's it called? Detroit. Detroit, all, all sorts New of York. different places. New York, Los Angeles, where yep. there are black and Hispanic people shooting each other at record numbers now. You will not hear about gun control then, but you will hear about gun control when it's a white person who goes into a school and does this. The left chooses their battles very carefully. And, and what I find is that now... When I'm going on Twitter and I'm seeing how the left is reacting to this shooting and they're all going, well, it was a white guy. It was a white guy. They're talking about, oh, it's a white guy. It's like, why do you have to racialize this 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 15 year old going in and shooting mm -hmm. these people before even all of the facts have come out? And yep. you are turning this into a racial thing. You wouldn't turn it into a racial thing when it was the Waukesha guy running through all these people in, mm -hmm. in a Christmas parade. But when it's one white guy going to a school and shooting it, then you racialize it. Why do you have to racialize it before you even know what's going on? That yeah. is the problem. This hyper race sensitivity that that the the left and now almost everyone has about all these issues is just destroyed. What what we're actually supposed to find out about these things? The facts. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this is treated, especially when a motive is released. I'm really curious to see what the motive is in this case and, and why this kid felt the need to go and do this. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. I, I can ex go ahead and anticipate a lot of political turmoil in regard to this because that's what happens with everything. Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. You know, and, and, and these people will use it to, to justify what they want to accomplish. Yep. Which is how it always goes. It is very unfortunate. Now, speaking of using the media and 
bias and propaganda to, you know, justify your actions or to service yourself and your ideology, CNN has decided to suspend Chris Cuomo indefinitely pending investigation into how he treated specifically the accusations of sexual assault against his brother, New York governor at the time, Andrew Cuomo. Yeah. Now, this is a tough situation because on one hand, I understand. Okay, listen, I have a brother and my brother is Mm -hmm. my best friend or he was my best friend. We haven't talked in a couple of years, but he was my best friend, my role Mm -hmm. model and the number one person in my life. Right. And if something happened with my brother, Mm -hmm. I would do anything for him. Mm -hmm. I would put my family above my job, above above my own welfare, my wealth, whatever it is, I would do what I can for my brother. So Chris doing this, if if what they're saying is true and that is why he is suspended and they're having an investigation, doing something for your brother. I get it. I totally get it. Family comes first. But you have to separate that from your work. You have to choose. You either have to put yourself on leave and say, okay, I'm going to put myself on leave from CNN and then go and investigate and say, here's what's happening and talk to these aides. Or you don't do it at all. If you are going to put your neck on the line for your brother to do this because family comes first, then you have to relieve yourself from the position that you are in before you go and do this. Because otherwise you are just conflicting interests and you're putting yourself into a hole that you really shouldn't be because you are making it difficult for everyone. Yeah, he was communicating with uh, Andrew Cuomo's team, letting him know what CNN's take was going to be on the matter, what evidence they had, all these things in regard to the the allegations and the investigation into his brother. It's not right. It is not right. And I understand that family is a super important thing, but to put uh, what you do for a massive, massive media company that is meant to report the truth... uh, It's not right. It is simply not right. And you should have, yes, stepped down. If you did not feel comfortable reporting on and talking about what your brother was doing, the allegations surrounding uh, his time as governor of New York, you should have stepped down. You should have sat this one out. Yeah, you should have stepped down and then done things for your brother behind the scenes. You can't do them both at the same time. You should have stepped down already. That's what the word recuse is all about. You recuse yourself because I I admit here I have a conflict of interest here, and it you know it would violate my conscience or whatever to like report against my brother, um, or I can't do that. So I'm just going to step aside. That's the right thing to do. Um, And I've seen some people like wanting to lend him credit because oh it was his brother and stuff. But it you know in that situation the right thing to do is to is to step aside. You help him however you can without also like breaking the law or or you know using your uh, your power to promote your brother's interest in a way that violates your 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 first obligation which is to do your job and report the facts not that he was doing that anyways in the first place right yeah. exactly Did he yeah. report facts i don't know about all that <laughs> yeah yeah I'm no sure. i'm not i'm not giving you credit for standing by the your brother who sexually assaulted women i'm sorry i'm not i'm not that's not my purview on this at all and the fact that you've openly admitted this has been known by cnn i guess they didn't know the extent to which he had gone uh to these lengths in terms of advising his brother letting him know what the media's stance on was it uh, using his connections to help Andrew Cuomo uh and we'll find out more in this investigation. This article uh, out of CNN specifically doesn't stipulate any of the major specifics as to why they've decided to now suspend him because this has been something that CNN has been aware of for a really long time, but who knows? And this is not saying that Chris Cuomo is never gonna be on CNN again. He's just sitting on the bench now. They say indefinitely pending investigation. So uh, those two things are contradictory. This is something pretty big when it comes to, I think how the left, Imagine, imagine conservatives having the backbone that the left did. 
Okay. If, if the people who are in the GOP and the people who are in conservative media, like if someone on the left did something wrong or if someone who's on our own side did something wrong, conservatives don't have the backbone to actually get these people out of there. Conservatives don't have the backbone to do that. But the left will say, okay, we can find someone to replace this guy and we don't want him anymore. Let's gut him and then put in someone new in his place Mm -hmm. where the conservative leadership has been basically the same people for a very long time. And uh, you can't imagine even these people in the Republican Party doing something like that, like saying we're going to cut this guy and get someone else in there. They won't do that. It's unfortunate. I think it's like, that's a problem across the board too. It's like, look at these faces in media and in our government that we've been seeing for decades now. What is that? Why is there no turnover in these things? Why do these people just maintain this power over what you know and what happens in your life for so long? Mm-hmm. For well, so the long. People who Term limits for a news anchors. <laughs> yeah, seriously, man. <laughs> man, we were just talking about that with Hungary yesterday. How? Uh, yeah, we don't have to get into that, but... I mean, it, term limits, at least for members of Congress, I mean, but the people who would then institute those term limits are the members of Congress themselves. It's like asking a king to, to have term limits for himself. Like, are you going to do that? Of course not. Right. So a lot of stories that we got to keep you posted on. Again, this is a pending investigation into Chris Cuomo, so we're going to find out what happens here. But I'm going to go ahead and stipulate that it's probably not going to be good. With what he's admitted to alone, he should not be working at CNN ever again. I wonder what their legal analyst, Jeffrey Tubin has to say about this, (laughs) about whether CNN should retain him or not. (laughs) Excuse me, CNN. Can you please put Jeffrey Tubin on right now to give me the live updates about how he feels about uh, Andrew Cuomo and sexual assault? I would love that. Everyone deserves a second chance. <laughs> Everyone deserves a second chance. I'm no one to throw stones here. Jeffrey's like, I'll only do it if you give me a female co-anchor. <laughs> oh, what a clown oh, world. Disgusting, disgusting, disgusting. <laughs> Speaking of clown world, we have an ongoing abortion battle that is happening right now in Mississippi that is potentially going to bring in a conversation about overturning Roe versus Wade. Now, I want to get into uh, all the facts around this, but I specifically want to get into the leftist narrative around this. We So often uh, you only hear the side that agrees with you. Let's listen to the side that disagrees with us on this matter. Right now, uh, Mississippi is fighting for essentially banning abortions after 15 weeks. We saw six weeks happen in Texas and Mississippi. We're talking about 15 right now. And this particular case is coming against uh, a place called Jackson Women's Health Organization. It is the only place in the state of Mississippi that women can go to receive an abortion. So uh, the Jackson Women's Health Organization put out a video on their take on this case and what's happening in Mississippi. So let's go through this. We'll pause. We'll talk about what their view is on abortion. Talk about our view on abortion and just get a more a wholesome view of what's going on right now in Mississippi. Jackson Women's Health Organization is the only abortion provider in the entire state of Mississippi. They are our clients and they are in the center of Jackson in a pink building. You can't miss it. And they provide contraception and abortion access in the state of Mississippi. Mississippi's 15-week abortion ban is exactly what it sounds like. It prohibits people from accessing abortion after 15 weeks of pregnancy. Because Jackson Women's Health provides abortion after 15 weeks, the clinic and the center decided to challenge the law to ensure that people continue to have access to abortion after that point. 
this law is blatantly unconstitutional. It goes against nearly 50 years of precedent. And okay. Pause. First of all, first, stop calling it abortion. Okay. It is child murder. That is because we have let the left turn it into abortion. I mean, really, this is the murdering of children. That is what every single conservative should be calling it. We are not having a debate on abortion. We are having a debate on if you are allowed to murder a child. Okay. That's number one. Number two, there was that video that came out. This was a little while ago of a girl who was on TikTok, right? And she went and she filmed her abortion on TikTok, okay? But she didn't really go and film her abortion. She filmed her face while she was getting an abortion, okay? This video went viral and viral and all these people are talking about it. But what is this? She is filming her face while she's getting an abortion. She knows that if she actually filmed what was going on during her abortion, if she filmed actually the baby being torn limb from limb as it comes out of her, people would not want to see that. People would not support this abortion. They wouldn't support that at all. If I went on the street corner, okay, and I, I got to thank uh, uh, Father Frank Pavone for some of this information from uh, uh, about what's going on. But if I went out on the street corner, okay, and I didn't look like I, I didn't have anything that said what I believe or what I what I support, and I had a picture of uh, a dead baby fetus that was aborted, okay, if I had a picture of that, mm -hmm. what side would you think that I am on? That you'd be pro-life. Yes, of course, yeah. because when you show what is actually happening, if you mm -hmm. show a, a d aborted fetus and you show that it's like disgusting and horrible and inhumane, then people will wake up to it. But they talk about things in the lens of, oh, this is just abortion. Oh, this is women's rights. This is all this. No, talk to people. You call it child murder and then you tell them what is actually going on. You show them pictures. You show them videos of abortions happening. You let people know what it actually is because they don't know. And I want to talk about sort of how the narrative around abortion has shifted, because I think when Roe v. Wade was was being talked about and, and we were going through that case in the Supreme Court, it was widely accepted that women do not want to have abortions. And in Roe v. Wade, that they were fighting for the choice to have an abortion. And now that is not the case at all. I mean, we see the ACLU come under fire for having signs that say abortion is rad. Uh, you've seen there's an HBO movie that got put out, uh, I think, just a year ago called unpregnant that followed these two best friends uh trying to travel across state lines to go and get an abortion and they painted us like this funny rom-commy sitcommy i'm going to get an abortion and she walks out of the clinic and she's smiling and she's happy and she's like let's go get food afterwards that is not the reality of abortion and most women that go and get one do not want one and to sort of shift the narrative in a way that abortion is rad and abortion is fun and oh my gosh like it doesn't even matter it's nothing you just go in and you just walk out and everything's great that is not the case it's not the case for ma the majority of women that get this done and to say that it's protected by the constitution when roe v wade is founded in your right to privacy it really has nothing to do with abortion they've just tacked on abortion and saying well that's technically a private matter uh, it blows my mind Roe v. Wade has nothing to do with your privacy, all of that. I mean, even Ruth Bader Ginsburg, when this was happening, was surprised at, at what happened in this case. What is going on is that the federal government has essentially come in and said, we can make the rules on abortion. Why is it that any other medical legislation, any other legislation really at all, it can come down to the states? Okay, why can the states legislate all of these different things, but then they can't legislate abortion? Why can they not legislate abortion? This is what Roe v. Wade is all about. And so when we are talking about this, I mean, it really comes down to a state's right issue. If Texas and Mississippi want to have these abortion things and then New York wants to says up until viability, 
Sure. I mean, you can say that, New York, but leave it up to the states. They can legislate everything else. Leave it up to the states to yep. be able to decide. But what does this do? This takes away the federal government's authoritarian control that they have over people. If they can't decide and say, hey, everyone, uh, this is all about viability and it's at this certain point, then they don't have the same control over us that they would. So we have to bring it back to the states. Bring it back to the states and you'll change a lot of this. Also, in the Constitution, nowhere in the Constitution does it talk about viability. You can go in the Constitution. You can read the entire thing. You can read the 14th Amendment. Nowhere in there does it says viability at, at a heartbeat or viability at three months. or nine. There is nothing in there. There is no legal precedent for viability when it comes to abortion in the Constitution. Okay, Roe v. Wade was built on lies and went way too far. Even the justices said that it went too far. It, it, it's, it, it is a wild, a wild um, hearing and it's not hearing. What am I thinking? Ruling. It was a <laughs> right. wild ruling and it should be overturned immediately. Let's keep watching. And it prevents people from accessing health care that their patients need and that is constitutionally protected. Pause. At bottom, the state's argument. <laughs> Sorry. You have to pause it there because that is just a blatant lie. It is a because, lie. Because abortion clinics are, first of all, dwindling in this country. There are four to one pregnancy centers to abortion clinics in mm -hmm. America. You already have access to women's health care. Okay. If you need to go and get pregnancy help or talk to someone about, you know, gynecology, whatever it is, you can go and do that. There are four to one pregnancy centers to abortion clinics. This is not about women's health. This is not about healthcare. You can get healthcare a million yeah. other places. This is about killing children. And it's certainly not about need. Need is such a strong word, especially when you want to talk about abortion. Let's continue. It boils down to the notion that the government should get to control people's decisions about whether to continue a pregnancy or whether to end a pregnancy. What Roe stands for is the right of each individual to make that decision. And nothing has changed in the last 50 years for that right to deserve less constitutional protection. Nothing has changed in the last 50 years? Are you saying that our medical system has not changed in the last 50 years? Are you saying what is considered a viable pregnancy is, has not changed in the last 15 years, uh, 50 years? It actually changes nearly every year as the OBGYN practices advance and technology around medicine uh, advances. What was considered a viable pregnancy 50 years ago is no longer what's considered a viable pregnancy now. So if we're going to talk about whether you're going to abort in the first trimester or the second trimester or some on with some extreme woke leftists saying even third trimester what has changed is the viability as technology uh advances and develops in the medical field babies can be born earlier and earlier and earlier does that then change what your definition of life is and that's something to always bring up when you're arguing with a leftist about abortion because they say well nothing changes why is it they say, well, oh, I agree with 20 weeks. Why do you agree with 20, 20 weeks? What if in five years or 10 years, 20 weeks becomes 15 weeks and that's a viable pregnancy and we've developed technology that allows a 15 year, a 15 week old baby to live. Does then your, your definition of life change? And yes, it would. If that's their definition of life as viability, that is ever changing. That is not a definition of life. A, a fetus, as the left would call it, is a life. If you, re if you look back and see what some of the arguments were during the original Roe v. Wade, you'll find that one of the most, because they were talking about a need, a need for abortion and healthcare services. One of the major arguments that I'm sure you're going to hear already is about the reliance interest, okay? The reliance interest in the original Roe v. Wade essentially is a huge slap in the face to women, 
Okay, because the reliance interest essentially says women are able to succeed in the world. They can become doctors, they can become lawyers, they can do all these things because of the access to abortion. How upsetting is that to someone? I mean, how how annoying is that yeah. or, or rude to women to yeah. go to them and say the only reason why you can make it in America is because you can kill your child. Yep. That is an evil, horrible thing to say. And you're going to be hearing that argument now. So look out for it. And you heard that argument during Roe v. Wade. I mean, that is one of the reasons why Roe v. Wade happened because of this reliance argument saying that women need to have the right to be able to pursue lives away from pregnancy. And, and that is why they are doing this. Yeah. A while ago, we reacted to a, a high schooler's valedictorian speech where she talked about how the government is trying to take away her right to be successful by overturning Roe v. Wade. What? What 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 are you talking about? When has pregnancy been this barrier to you being successful in leading a life that is happy and and a life full of wellness and health? It's not been the case. And to somehow attach that to your argument of Roe versus Wade is demoralizing to women. Let's continue with this video. Then the court gave it 50 years ago. They totally erase the people who would be most affected um, and do not mention any of the pregnant people that would be affected in their state. It is also um, blatantly against the rule of law and the glibness in which they make this argument is pretty devastating to me as a lawyer. Abortion bans affect all people, period, but they disproportionately impact black people. It disproportionately impacts it. young people who might not Abortion disproportionately affects black people because black people are getting the most abortions. Exactly. Black people should, in America today, black people should have more than a 13% stake in the population. They really should. But so many black babies are being killed in the womb that it is not happening. It is not happening. Yeah. Abortion bans disproportionately affect black people. You re Do you realize the argument that you're making right now? <laughs> you realize that there are cities right now in the United States where more black children are aborted than born on a daily basis. That's what you're advocating for. Uh, abortion bans disproportionately allow black people and young people to live. So I think we want to we want to think about those abortion bans. That's essentially what she's saying. That's essentially what she's saying. Abortion bans uh, are, are keeping black pregnancies. And why would we want that? I know that they're pregnant. People who have trouble making ends meet. People who live in rural areas who might not be able to travel to the single abortion provider in a state. There are 24 states likely to prohibit abortion if Based. the court decides to uphold this ban. There are states, including Mississippi, that have what's called trigger laws that would go into effect most likely if the court decides to uphold this ban. If the court rejects Mississippi's ban and stands by Roe, what we've done is preserve the status quo. Abortion is still out of reach for so many people and access is not what it should be in many parts of the country. One benefit right. of the states being this emboldened has been that the conversation in this country has truly shifted. There has been an incredible amount of support from the public. We are more than seven of 10 Americans who support this right. And so the court, no matter what it does, will have to ultimately listen to the public and the power of the people that demand that abortion care is a fundamental right, remains constitutional, and is the sustained right all across this country. Regardless of the outcome in this case, our work will not be over. 
we will still be fighting to make sure there are state and federal protections that exist so that people are still able to make these fundamental decisions about their about their lives. I don't know if any of you guys have ever been to the March for Life on Washington. Huge event. In my opinion, I think that the March for Life in Washington, which is a pro a pro life march essentially, is it's like the biggest freedom march in the country every single year. And it's full of young people. It's full of beautiful young people. It's an amazing, amazing march. And they want to claim seven out of 10 Americans are supporting abortion. I, first of all, don't believe that. Mm -mm. And secondly, even if that was true, these people don't know what abortion is. Again, show them a video of a child being ripped limb from limb as it comes out. Show them a picture of a destroyed child out of the womb. They will change their minds pretty quickly. Okay, when people see the evil in front of them, when it comes to a child like that, imagine if that was you show them the picture and say, imagine if that was you. That sounds harsh and it sounds scary to show Mm -hmm. someone that. But seriously, that is what it is. Imagine you were this baby that was alive, that could feel that had a heartbeat, that had a nervous system, that had fingernails and hair. And you took it out of the mother and you ripped it. And then I mean, it's a disgusting image and a visage and, and, and. it will change people's minds. These people who support abortion, most of them do not know how it actually works. Right. I can't tell you how many people uh, use the use the argument of it's just a clump of cells. It's just a clump of cells. It's just a clump of cells. Look at the videos of of abortions that happen after six weeks. Look at look at the videos. That it's not just a clump of cells. That is a human being, and people do not know that they're misinformed when it comes to abortion. A lot of people are misinformed when it comes to what an abortion is. It's just ridiculous, and the idea that this is somehow a choice. You have a choice. Most of abortions are done because people chose to have rec sex and they got pregnant as a result of it that is your choice your choice happened in that moment when you chose to have sex with somebody that got you pregnant that's your choice so it's not a pro-choice versus pro-life argument because you had your choice the argument about the raper if you got impregnated by a rapist or incest or anything like that let's just look at it broader okay you know or i think most people actually don't know this i know that most abortion activists don't know this do you guys know what safe haven laws are Mm -mm. A safe haven law essentially means that within three days of you giving birth to the child, you can essentially take it to a a, a fire station, to a police station, to a hospital, and you can give the baby up. As long as the baby has not been abused, you can give the baby up with no recourse of, of child neglect. This is in 50 states across the country. If you have a baby, let's say you had reckless sex or you were raped or whatever. It doesn't matter the situation. Within three days of birth, you can give that baby up with no repercussions, okay? And with all this, with, with, with the pro-life movement, I am not saying that I am trying to force you to be a mother. Everyone always says that. They bring this up when I talk about it. You're forcing people to be mothers and do all this. I am not. You can literally take your baby to a hospital and the state will take it and, and match it with a family. You can do that. There are safe haven laws in all 50 states. But people don't know that. Mm. People don't know that that is the truth. Until people actually know what is going on, then this will never change. Show them pictures of abortion. Talk to them about all these facts. Fight with them on abortion because truly this is, this is in the top three biggest issues because you are murdering people. You are literally murdering children. I'm very strong about this because I really believe in it. And it is such an evil thing for people to believe is okay 
It truly is. And I don't want to shame anyone who, you know, and all that. It's not the point of this. But I, I want people to understand. I want to be strong right now so you, so people understand that this is literally a matter of life and death and that you need to go and talk to people about it. And you need to tell them what is actually going on. Talk to them about the original court case. Talk to them about what is happening now in Mississippi. Make them understand. And again, I want to hone in on the fact, I know a lot of women that have gotten abortions and none of them are happy about their decision in doing so. None of them are happy about what they had to go through. Some of them may be glad that they did it because they think that it somehow altered the course of their lives and made them more successful. <clears throat> but none of them are proud of having gone through that process, at least not the ones that I know, even though that is anecdotal. But that is the majority of abortions. Women are not happy to do this. And the narrative that abortions are rad and they're so cool and that it's every woman's right and why not get one, get two, and these girls screaming on college campuses about how cool it is to get an abortion and how easy it is, it's just disheartening because it's not true. Even if you have a certain opinion on this about whether or not you're pro-choice or you're pro-life, everybody's going to be everybody's going to be different on this. And a lot of people make the argument of Roe v. Wade being a super precedent. It's not at all. It's not super precedent at all because we don't have agreement on on what we believe life to be, whether or not we believe abortion to be right or wrong. Do not spin the narrative that it's okay. Do not spin the narrative that it's fun. Do not spin the narrative that it's rad, as the ACLU would want to say. Be truthful about it so that people can make an informed decision whether or not they land on the pro-choice spectrum or the pro-life spectrum it's just ridiculous that you cannot get facts around the matter and about how women truly feel about abortion well what you said is exactly right and it's not anecdotal i mean what you're saying about those friends feeling depressed i mean there is literally it's a it's a symptom yep. it is it is post-abortion grief i mean you can it go is. to a psychiatrist and they will define that you have post-abortion grief if you say that you care about women and you're all about women being healthy and having women's rights and yep. all those kind of things then you should care about post-abortion grief you should care yep. about women who get abortions and feel absolutely horrible and terrible after them, okay? The effects on women's mental health after getting abortions is terrible for women. That is not anecdotal. That is the truth. That is the facts. There are studies all over the place on this. If you care about women, then you shouldn't want women to get abortions because they're they, they feel horrible after them. Many contemplate suicide. They turn to drug abuse. I mean, many of them. It, it, is, it is a terrible fate to have to go through. And it does not leave you. So long as you live, it does not leave you. So I, I just do not want to hear, regardless, again, regardless of where you land, I do not want to hear that abortion is rad and abortion is cool. Now, with all of this happening, uh, the, the shooting out of Oxford High School, the abortion talk, the talk of COVID, which we will get to as well, something that is continuously not being talked about is the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. Nobody's talking about it except for the people that I follow on Twitter. Now, uh, one person in particular that if you guys are interested in this trial, which you should be, because it is one of the biggest cases of the century uh, when it comes to Ghislaine Maxwell, her relationship with Jeffrey Epstein and all the elites, the bureaucrats, the country leaders across the world that she and Epstein were involved with in what is a pedophilia sex ring. Very, very important to talk about. Uh, you can follow this guy on Twitter. Uh, he was recommended by Jack Poso on yesterday's show, which you guys can go and watch inner city press. He is at the courthouse every day while these uh, testimonies are being uh, read out while people are being cross-examined. He's going to be there throughout the trial of Ghislaine Maxwell, watching directly what is happening, quoting directly what is happening and live tweeting uh, what is happening on his Twitter inner city press. Here's the video that he put out today. Okay, here we are, inner city press, outside 40 Foley Square. Uh, we're halfway through day three of U.S. 
versus Ghislaine Maxwell. And uh, witness one, Jane, is being hammered on cross-examination by Maxwell's lawyer, Laura Menninger. Um, it's gotten quite nasty, and what it really is, is involving is comparing a statement that Jane made uh, in 2019 to the FBI. It's on a form called the 302, and comparing that to what she said at trial. Um, pretty much trying to argue that the role of Maxwell has grown since her initial statement, also pointing to $5 million from the Epstein Fund, uh, various sex acts not witnessed, described. It's nasty. Meanwhile, the United Nations, we asked them yet again today why Guterres's Amir Dosa was on the Terramar board. No answer at all. Totally corrupt. To be continued. Yeah, so this guy is really doing the footwork here, showing up to this court every day and getting the information for you guys. Essentially, they're going through all the different victims in this case. They've started with victim one. Uh, Jane uh, is the, I guess, court-given name for this victim. And Ghislaine Maxwell's uh, defense lawyer is trying to paint her as somebody who's mischaracterizing the relationship that she had with Ghislaine Maxwell, who groomed this girl and got her into her relationship with Jeffrey Epstein. It's just disgusting. It is. It's just disgusting. And, and I don't know who's going to take the blame for it. If it's just Ghislaine or if they're going to try and get other people to do it too. That's the, that's so. the scary part. I don't think they are. That's the unfortunate part. I don't think they are going to put the blame where it needs to be. Uh, you've heard the names even when, when Jeffrey Epstein was in the media and his supposed suicide. Yeah, sure. Uh, you heard the names Bill Clinton. You heard the name uh, Prince Andrew. Are we going to hear those names throughout the duration of this trial? Maybe in passing, but is there actually going to be anything done about their involvement in this? I mean, I can't even begin to speculate on the amount of people who you know and maybe love and maybe support on both sides of the aisle who either were involved in what Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell are doing or knew damn well what they were doing. All I can think of is Eyes Wide Shut. Stanley Kubrick. You guys seen that movie? No. No? Mm -mm. It's a great film. It's a film he made right before he died. Coincidence? Why does it know. make you think about that? Well, because it's all about like these these rings of like sex fiend elitists mm -hmm. and things like that. It's it's I, I would highly recommend anyone watch it. You know, have the stomach for it. But yeah, it's it's a great movie. This is it makes me think about that. It's just I'm, I know this is not going to get the justice that it deserves. You know that it's not going to get the justice that it deserves. He mentioned before this the man by the name of Amir Dosal. I hope I'm. Uh, saying that right. But he's involved in the United Nations and is also on the board of the Terramar Project, which is Ghislaine Maxwell's organization uh, that was supposedly for, you know, environmental activism. We'll see if that's actually true and what that money that she was amassing through that organization was actually going towards. But we know that the UN is largely involved in sex trafficking and sex crimes against children. We've seen reports come out of UN uh, operatives who are in different countries countries trading food for sex with children is this going to be talked about are we going to see the un be brought to justice yes the united nations being brought to justice on what they're doing in these foreign countries probably not and i think this is a larger endeavor than anybody's willing to take on because it spans across the aisle it is conservatives it is leftists it is people that you know and that you may love or may think that you love and support who are involved in this isn't it crazy that Jeffrey Epstein killing himself. I mean, it all became like a meme about it. Yep. And it's like, How did well, that yeah, happen? it's like a meme, but what, what happened? You know, like why, why, why is it just a meme? 
why has nothing been done to like figure this out and solve it? Yeah. That's what, that's how, that's like part of the culture of memes and, and social media content is that things like this happen where Jeffrey Epstein kills himself and all this. And then everyone makes a ton of memes about it and we kind of joke about it. And then it's like that loses the seriousness of the topic. And because people just turn it into a joking matter like that, Mm. that we can just make some quick meme and post on our conservative meme page or whatever, then you lose how, how important it is. And because of that, we have become in some ways a very silly culture, a culture that does not take these things that are dramatic and almost historic in some ways seriously. Yeah. And here's my hot take on meme culture. Uh, if you think that you're the one creating, you're not, you're not, you don't, if you don't think our intelligence is involved in the creation of these memes and the dispersion of them, they absolutely are. They know how to distract you from what's going on. Do you think that all the stories that we're talking about while one of the biggest trials of our lifetime is happening are just coincidental? Absolutely. They plan the things that you're going to be talking about. They plan the social issues that we argue about on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. And guess what? The Epstein didn't kill himself meme. You're not the only ones. We didn't just think of that. (laughs) That's my hot take. They know exactly how to get people to steer away from talking about subject matters that actually matter. And Epstein, quote unquote, killing himself uh, was one of those things. And who wouldn't want to make that into a joke, assuming that it it brings allegations against everybody that you work with and everything that you do. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think these memes about Epstein killing himself are organic. It makes me think of like the guy who can't like open up or really be known. So he always deflects with humor. Yeah. It's like, we can't, we can't deal with the reality that we, we know damn well what they're doing. We know damn well that, that he he didn't kill himself Mm -hmm. and nothing will be done about it. So instead of like, demanding that something be done about it or, or not letting it go. We just, Oh, just make a meme or just, isn't it funny guys that we all know that we're being lied to. Exactly. Right. You know, and that sucks because everyone is guilty of it and that's what makes it hard Mm -hmm. because I feel like it's like that with, with a lot of things like the voter fraud stuff, like the, um, with vaccine stuff, people just kind of like, you know, default to these little comments or little things. And it's like, these are serious issues that we need to hold the feet, of the authorities to the fire until we get answers. And uh, it's like, I feel like people, that's their way of giving up. It's just like throw up our hands and let's laugh about it. It's like a congressman who says something that is a blatant lie. And then you like, and it's hypocritical. Mm -hmm. And then instead of addressing what this congressman said or what this congressman did and holding them accountable, you just make a meme about it. And it's like, dude, like this is a, this is a real thing. Right. And we need to make sure this person pays for what they did. But it's like you think about this and I, I've sat and thought about this trial specifically and everything around this for a really, really long time. And you, oh, so often, OK, we complain, we complain. This is going on. Sex offenders are in our government. Well, well, what do we do? What do we do? And they're like, give us solutions. Give us solutions. What do you what is what do you do in this case? This would require gutting, like I'm saying elites of every single political affiliation and nearly every single status of power in our country. Uh, who are involved in this or at least knew that it was going on. What do you do to remedy that? You do that? When it is, yeah, how, how, where do you begin? Where do you begin? As a normal person, what could you do today to go, I know this is happening in the U.S. government. I know this is happening among foreign governments. We know that the freaking monarchy in the U.K. was involved in this. What do you, what are you supposed to do? Education or get away from it. I mean, those are your options. You educate as many people as possible so as many people know so that 
eventually, hopefully, the someone with a strong enough backbone will become a real leader. Yeah. Or you escape from it. It's what I'm writing about in my next blog post. Path of the king versus the path of the individual. You can follow me, thewillwit.substack.com. That is what I'm writing about now. That you can either go for authority over people to enact the changes that you want, or there's the path of the individual and escapism. And I think that both have valid points to them. And I think that you as a person have to choose. And that is what it will come down to. We'll see what happens here. I think the society at large is going to remain uneducated on these issues, or at least unwilling to accept the pure scope of how horrible this problem is. And there are very few people, uh, as Rod Dreher says in his in his book, Live Not By Lies, you know, a stranger appears uh, above the crowd to warn of something to come, to warn of what's happening. And there will be a few strangers who warn about this and how pervasive this problem is. And people will sit and not listen. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate. So yeah, we're going to keep you up to date on what happens in the Ghislaine Maxwell trial as accurately as we can. Hopefully we get the actual names of who's involved with this, although I'm going to go ahead and place my bet right now that we will not. Nobody will ever truly know how big this operation was and how many people in, in places of power in this country and countries all over the world are involved in this so we'll see what happens but at least she's being tried i guess (laughs) um now guys if you guys have spotify on your app on your phone which you should uh you should be listening to will and amala live you guys woke up this morning to see your 2021 uh, year wrapped with spotify of all your favorite songs your favorite podcasts the different genres of music you listen to how long you listen to it and some of you guys tagged us on instagram saying that will and amala live was in your top five podcasts even some of you it was your number one so what we're doing today we want you guys to go through your spotify 2021 year in review wrapped and find out what your top podcasts are if we are in the top five or even your number one post that to your instagram story tag prager you and we'll repost you yeah or on twitter or facebook whatever. yeah yeah whatever platform you out. want to uh now linkedin, LinkedIn mm-hmm. even linkedin yeah. will will personally go through linkedin and find this i accept everyone on linkedin maybe i shouldn't <laughs> say that but yeah, maybe you shouldn't anyone who requests me on linkedin I accept them all. I, Dude, I made LinkedIn. a I made a fake LinkedIn for Will. Remember that as part of the, the oh, yeah. skit that we did for SAS last year, <laughs> and I I get it linked to my email, and I get like twenty requests a day of like people trying to connect with you on LinkedIn on this fake account that I made. <laughs> so so, so Will find Will's real account. Yeah. Find my real account. Yeah, <laughs> or probably don't. got a picture. You don't have to. Amazing. I don't really post too much on there, but sometimes. Now we put together our uh, 2021 wrapped for Spotify and we're going to go through them with you guys. So if you guys want the songs that we're listening to, you want our recommendations, absolutely go for it. Here's mine. My first one, my uh, opening credits theme, according to Spotify is pretty girl high by Yumi or UMI. Super good song. My game winning point is woman by Doja Cat. Me and me and Doja Cat share the same name. Both of our names are Amala, so that's pretty cool. And my, are there any other Amalas yeah. in America? I don't. There's a lot of Indian Amalas, but none of them are like famous. So, as far as famous goes, Doja Cat's the only Amala. And then uh, the prompt for Spotify was "Slang Ancient Vengeful Spirit," and my song for that is "Transparent Soul" by Willow Smith, featuring Travis Barker. A crazy good song. I listened to Spotify this year for 26,260 minutes and 1,033 artists. Will, have you ever heard any of her songs? I have. Yes. I've never heard any of those. But 
Yeah, yes, you have. I don't know if many of the people watching have heard of these songs. Well, now you have heard of them, and you can go look on your Spotify and listen to what I listen to. Next is Wills. You wanna? You wanna? All right, mine. Your prompts. Single teardrop rolls down your face as a prompt was "Video Games" by Lana Del Rey. I love song's Lana not even sad though. <laughs> yeah, what do you mean? It's kind of it's like very melodic, sad like sure. that. Sure. Uh, proclaiming your love in the rain, so into you. Amazing song. Okay. Really like what you done to me oh he's singing i can't i love that song and then <laughs> slaying ancient vengeful spirit was just a girl by no doubt that's great i, I that, that's perfect spotify you couldn't you couldn't have picked a better song i've never heard of any of those songs you never heard just a girl by no I doubt mean, maybe i'm if, just a girl okay. a little lonely <laughs> i think that's okay. just describes me uh i listened to about eighty thousand minutes so about three or four times as much as Amala did. Mm -hmm. uh, and I listened to 1,613 artists. I am always, anyone who knows me personally knows, I am always listening to music. Like yes. every, if I'm, not doing, if I'm not doing the show, I'm listening to music at all times. So I listen to it's a really, lot. It's really annoying. It's very annoying. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. This is my office, guys. Don't you get it wrong. <laughs> now we're on Taylor's. Taylor, can you even read yours from um, here? No. Not really. Okay. So Taylor's, uh, let's see. His top songs are Dirty Water by Mark E. Blasey. Uh, Play and Whip Me. Who sings that song? Kyle? Kyle. Kyle. Uh, All My Friends by that's Snake Hips Snake and Bieber Hips? and a bunch of people. Okay. Mood. That's also Bieber and 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 Holy Holy by Bieber by and Chance Jeez. the Rapper. I'm the I'm a believer, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Last, last year, Chance was my number one. Uh -huh. um, but I think he, Bieber just had a few collabs that I really liked, and so I played them a lot this year. I support that. I'm a believer. Uh, minutes listened. Sorry. Whatever. Will's not a believer. So, you know, he doesn't get Too to come to the party. <laughs> um, minutes listened. Taylor listened for 18,551 minutes. Uh, as far as 70th podcasts, percentile, baby. Just 70th like my GPA. Percentile. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. I was a good student. Uh, you had top podcasts. I don't listen to podcasts on Spotify, so I didn't get any. I generally don't, but uh -huh. of them, JRE's like exclusive there, and I listen to that a lot. So okay, so you got Joe Rogan, Purple Daily for the Minnesota oh, those, Vikings. Those are just Vikings podcasts because right. I'm a huge uh, NFL fan. Purple Insider, and then Will and Amal Alive, of course. You guys are my number four. Number four. Yeah, that must mean you really don't listen. Yeah. there's no way you're listening to that after being on the show every day. Yeah, I don't listen to it every day after work. I'm on it. And then the Michael Knowles show. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We're gonna move on. These are my top five songs of the year. Probably some songs you haven't listened to either. Uh, all pretty much indie pop. Number one, Pretty Girl High by Yumi or UMI. Uh, number two, Afterthought by Joji. Great song featuring an artist called Ben A. She's so cool. Uh, number three, Sad Girls Love Money by Amara. I don't know how to say her name, but I've been, I found this song like a couple weeks ago and have been listening to it nonstop, me and my roommate Risa. Number four, Bags by Clyro, if you like a very cool uh, indie pop artist. And five, Save Us by Len and Stella, which is just straight up dance pop. Never heard of any um, of these either. Amla listens to Gen Z, like no, TikTok. Uh, no, not at all. None of these are TikTok songs, actually. It's all Gen Z. Except for like, Sad Girls Love Money. Gen I think that Z actually weird is. weird music. No, it's fantastic music and you will love it. Where's the Jimmy Buffett, Amla? <laughs> Do you know who that Where's, is? Yes, I know who Jimmy Where's, Buffett is. I don't know. Where's Dave Matthews Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy Buffett does brown-eyed no, person. No, that is Van, Van Morrison. Jimmy oh. Buffett sings... Oh. Cheeseburger in paradise. Cats in the cradle. 
No, Margaritaville. <laughs> Frank Chapin. Oh Wait, Margaritaville is Jimmy Buffett? Yes. Oh, are you kidding me? Oh, Wasted away again in Margaritaville. At least I know the song, okay? That's real know. music. You kids these days don't even know. It's all right. I know it. <laughs> it's all right. Okay. Well, we got Joji Cat, and that's, Joji. that's what Doja I'm all Doja Cat. Okay, Will listens S-Z-A. to S-Z-A. What does that even mean? I want to go through Will's Spotify and found, find out how many times he listened to Kiss Me More by SZA and Doja Cat before he talks. Okay, that was on my yeah. top songs. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Listen, it's not all bad. Right. It's uh-huh. not all bad. So shut your mouth, boy. <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. Okay, your top five. I'm look at my top five. Uh, number one, Ten Mile Stereo by Beach House. Okay, I love indie. Beach House. Yeah, that's indie. I don't know. What that mm-hmm. is. That's like talented indie. That is leftist uh, indie music. No, they're not leftist. They're good. Well, maybe they are in real are life, leftists. but but not in their music. And they're actually talented. Uh, Let Go My Hand by J Cole off his new album. Three Footsteps in the Dark by the Eyes. I thought Brothers. you didn't like his new album. I don't, but I like that one song. That one song is like my favorite J. Cole song. And then Three Footsteps in the Dark, Isley Brothers. I mean, that's just an amazing song. I mean, that's, that's your, you're putting on the lights and you're having, you're having a mood, if you know what I'm saying. Four Spotlight by Jesse Ware. Great song, great album, highly recommend. Five Blue Ridge Mountains by Fleet Foxes. All indie music except for the Isley Brothers. I just want to point that out since you're going to bully my Jesse music. Wears, I'm going to indie. bully your music. Jesse Ware's, you <laughs> can't bully my music. She I is not Portland mainstream. Coffee yeah, that's, that's not what indie means. Taylor. Will thinks he's so cool. I am so like, cool. I've been listening does. to this cool song before anyone else ever right, discovered it. Right, I am exactly. that guy because I, this is what I do. I take a guy. lot of pride in my music. He really that is, is that guy. That is one thing I take a lot of pride in. Okay, I've Taylor. been eating Uncle Ben's rice since before you ever heard of it. <laughs> I already went through your top five. I just remembered, but yeah, they're back up here again. If you guys yeah. want to screenshot Taylor's top five. Yeah, and make fun of <laughs> him on Twitter. You know, I, I care about let this less than anyone that's watching. Right. So that's, it's fine. <laughs> that's true. Okay. <laughs> Here's my Spotify wrapped for genre, mood, binge list, and all that fun stuff. My top music moods are apparently energy and chill, which makes sense. I'm either dancing or chilling in my bedroom listening to music. Uh, I've listened to 92 different genres. My top genres are dance pop, of course, Broadway, 100%, super music theater nerd. If I'm Broadway is a huge category, should have been number one. Um, indie pop, contemporary country music, and soundtrack music which is an underrated genre of music i'm gonna go ahead and say my binge listen as far as artists go phoebe bridgers you've heard me talk about her on the show before she's super chill indie uh ballad artist and my top artist of all time always is the 1975 10 out of 10 love them to death always listening to the 1975 okay taylor this is your meme uh yes this (laughs) this is this meme is how i feel today Hey, everybody, look, this guy was in the top 1% of all Travis Scott listeners. See, look, nobody cares. <laughs> no one That's cares true. about your Spotify top music. Right. This is the most boring segment we've ever done, no! including the part about See, this music. is Taylor trying to deflect like we were talking about earlier <laughs> because he doesn't know anything about it. You, It's cool that you guys like music and sharing music is like a super cool thing. You guys can like screenshot the music that we're listening to. Maybe we can make public playlists for you guys. Um, I and- have public playlists. I have my created Spotify oh. that has a ton of playlists for people. Will already has it. Yeah, because I used to have my music account. My music account had all this the kind of Willy stuff. The no, the willwit.mp3. Okay. That's my music account. You guys can follow it. I haven't updated it too much, but all those playlists and stuff that I made for fans and everything are still on there. Hey, Glory Sam Jolly agrees with me. He says, this segment is boring. Well, Age of the <laughs> Keyboard Warrior says not boring. So They're, I recognize that name. They're a super fan. They would be hey. watching anything. Coming they they would watch Paint Dry with us. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And right. then lastly, Will Spotify Rats. Lastly. 
Um, my top, my top music moods, hype and chill. I listen to 146 different genres. I'm pretty eclectic. Number one is classic rock. I mean, I'm a huge classic rock guy. Indie rock, number two, pop rap, uh, Chicago rap. You got Common, you got Most Def, you got that type of stuff. And then New Wave, love New Wave as well. Uh, my binge listen is The Replacements. That is my favorite band of all time, 80s band, basically beginning of alternative in America. When I, punk, I started punk, and then went pretty alternative. Uh, top artist was Kanye West. Whoop, whoop, whoop. And that is our Spotify wrapped 2021. You guys, if you're on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, you better be listening to Will and Amla Live. And if you are and it made it to your Spotify wrapped, tag us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever you want. Tag us at PragerU and we will reshare that tag on our stories and on our feeds. Guys, thank you so much for watching Will and Amla Live. We'll be back tomorrow at 2.30 Pacific, 5.30 Eastern to give you guys more stories, talk about our perspectives. What are the hot topics? What are our hot takes? You will get those tomorrow at 2.30. Thank you guys so much for watching. We'll see you. Bye.